The book of Jeremiah, starting in chapter 14. Uh, pretty sure I remember Jeremiah in, in the early chapters saying that he would bring drought upon the land because of their waywardness. And now drought has come upon the land and Judah is mourning and languishing and they're humiliated because they have no water. And that's the lifeblood of any community. But they particularly saw it back then when, you know, they're they're mostly farmers and livestock depends on eating stuff that grows because of water. I mean, everything is dependent on water. And so they really felt it when there was a drought. We can import stuff from other parts of the country or the world that aren't experiencing drought. And it, we don't notice it as much. Although here, we, from time to time, we start to get worried about ours. Um and uh but they really noticed wow this is judgment of the lord and they're saying well you turned away from me and so then starting in seven they they start turning back to the lord they say our iniquities testify against us O lord act for your name's sake they be you know they begin calling on the lord do not forsake us thus says the lord of this people even so they have loved to wander they have not kept their feet in check Therefore, the Lord does not accept them now. Now he will remember their iniquity and call their sins to accounts. So he's basically saying, look, in other times when they've turned back to me, I've said it's okay, but they've gone so far and I keep warning them and they keep turning. They only turn back to me when when judgment gets here. And they've kind of come to a point of no return where um, me saving them this time does not it's it's they're too far gone they're not going to truly come back to me as soon as i give them water they once again will turn away from me and we see a, a different side of of god than than we often think about god but god is all these sides he's you know when jesus came the first time he was all mercy and grace right all uh, um love and forgiveness um but it's also the case that jesus and that's a, a they missed Jesus because they only saw him as the fighting warrior, uh, as that Messiah. But he actually will come as that Messiah as well. And so we see here the Lord saying to Jeremiah, Do not pray for the welfare of this people. When they fast, I am not going to listen to their cry. And when they offer a burnt offering and grain offering, I am not going to accept them. Rather, I am going to make an end of them by the sword, famine, and pestilence. This is, look, I've warned them enough. They continue to turn away from me. They're only turning to me now because they're hungry and thirsty and I'm making them feel in their in their guts that they, you know, what they've done by turning away from me. But I want a people that turn to me not because they're starving, but, but because they realize they're spiritually starving without me. And then there were false prophets here that were prophesying to the people you will not see sword, nor will you have famine, but I will give you lasting peace in this place. And so the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said that they're prophesying falseness in my name. I have not sent them. He says, because they have told the people there will be no sword and famine, by sword and famine, these prophets will meet their end. And he gives Jeremiah a, you know, a word of judgment. He says, basically, I don't want to read it all, but he's basically saying, I, I will just blink complete and utter judgment on these people. And so then Jeremiah is wrestling with God. He says, have you completely rejected Judah or have you loathed Zion? Why have you stricken us so that we are beyond healing? We waited for peace, but nothing good came. And then in the end of this chapter, 
Or can the heavens grant showers? Is it not you, O Lord our God? Therefore we hope in you, for you are the one who has done all these things. So Jeremiah knows that God is good and he is the only one to save them. And he's saying, is there nothing good in us for, that can be redeemed? And then we're on to chapter 15. And the Lord answers him. And he says, even though Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not be with this people. Send them away from my presence and let them go. It shall be that when they say to you, where should we go? And you are to tell them, thus says the Lord. He goes on, but I want to make a point. It's interesting that in the time of Jeremiah, the two that were held up were Moses and Samuel. Uh, often later, you mostly hear Moses and Elijah as the one who held, who were kind of held up. But uh, at, at this point in time, the Lord used Moses and Samuel as the two to look at, um, kind of as you know the king and the prophet or the king and the priest. And then again, he affirms his word, those destined for death to death, those destined for the sword to sword, those destined for famine to famine, and those destined to captivity for captivity. He says, look, this has come to the point where this is the only solution. Verse 4, I will make them an object of horror among all the kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. He goes, I'll let you read all the different words of judgment for yourself. But he's, he says, for a fire has been kindled in my anger. It will burn upon you. And so fire is both um, destructive, which is the judgment, and, and cleansing. It can be cleansing to burn away the dross, right? And so, you know, that we we know with the full perspective of the Bible, that is God's purpose, to bring us out cleaner and more holy from what we came into. Then Jeremiah cries out to God and says, Remember me, take notice of me, O Lord, and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. So he basically says, they're coming against me. You know, you know that my heart is for you. You filled me with indignation about these people, and yet they're coming against me. So Lord, be my redemption. And there's something implied here that Jeremiah had not always been completely faithful, which is, of course, the way of man, right? So it's not surprising, but he didn't detail that part for us. And, and God says to him, if you, but this is always the word of God for all of us. Um, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me you will stand, and if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They, for their part, may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. So God says, Jeremiah, I've appointed you for this purpose. If you return to me, I will restore you, and I'm going to use you for the purpose I created you for. But as they turn to you, and they might try to kind of soften and make a way out of my purpose for you, you must not turn to them. Then I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze, and though they fight against you, they will not prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. So I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grasp of the violent. So he says, no matter what kind of craziness is coming against you, no matter what kind of evil is out in the world, or what the odds, you know, the, uh, the odds may seem high if you look with worldly eyes, but I am all-powerful, and I am with you, and nothing will, will hurt you that comes against you, because... I have a plan here, and my plan will happen. And then we're on to chapter 16. 
And the Lord says to Jeremiah, you're not going to take a wife or have sons or daughters in this place because the sons and daughters born in this place are going to die of disease. It's going to be horrible for them. And so, you know, Jeremiah is having to live to, uh, you know, that there's a good chance he wanted a wife and kids, right? I mean, most people do, but he's saying, no, that's not for you. And then he says, don't go around mourning and lamenting or, or mourn and lament with others because I've withdrawn my peace from this people. My loving kindness and compassion. He's basically saying, look, this is a time of judgment. And, you know, I, I offered those things many times over hundreds and thousands of years. And they kept turning away from me. And this is the time where I will put an end to this wicked way that they're on. And so Jeremiah, um, you know, he, he's, he's, God's telling him, go and pronounce judgment on him. And then in 10, he says, now when you tell this people all these words, they will say to you, for what reason has the Lord declared all this great calamity against us? And what is our iniquity? What is our sin which we have committed against the Lord? Then you are to say to them, it is because your forefathers have forsaken me. So this has been going on a long time and have followed other gods and served them and bowed down to them. You're living according to the ways of the world and not according to my ways. You, they have forsaken and not kept my law. You too have done evil, even more than your forefathers. For behold, you are each one walking according to the stubbornness of his own evil heart without listening to me. So I will hurl you out of this land into the land which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers. And there... You will serve other gods day and night, for I will grant you no favor. So, obviously, they, they had an actual physical land. If you think of the land for today as a spiritual reality of the provision and protection of God, and if God says, look, I have a people that are not living up to my purpose, I will throw them out of this provision and protection so that the evil forces, the evil spirits in the world can... That, they're, that they are worshiping because the, the worldly ways, the fallen ways, that, that is worship of those things. I will give them over to those things and they will be, you know, they're going to realize full well who they're worshiping. But then the Lord offers a promise starting in 14. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but... As the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he has banished them, for I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. So if you see this heavenly reality, this heavenly kingdom as this uh, promised land of God, this living way that he has all provision and all protection, he says, I will, after I've thrown them out and cleared this place, made it clean and holy again, I will bring in those, this remnant, who lives according to me and my ways. And everyone will see that they are blessed. I will make them uh, a glory, my glory, in the world. And then they will be a light to the world to draw others in. 16. Behold, I am going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them. And afterwards I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt for them. From every mountain and every hill and from the clefts of the rocks, for my eyes on my eyes are on all their ways, they are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. I will first doubly repay their iniquity and their sin, because they have polluted my land, 
They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of the detestable idols and with their abominations. So he's saying, look, I can't have these people representing me. And so they, they'll be cast out. But afterwards, I will have many fishermen and many hunters to bring people back in who will live according to my ways. And he explains these things because this is a picture. This, these things actually happened in Judah. But these things are all a picture of what the Lord is going to do for his kingdom. And so it's very important because these things didn't just happen just for their lives. They happened because God has an eternal purpose he's working out in mankind. And so these are types and shadows of what he is doing in our day. And so starting in 19, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold and my refuge in the day of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility, and things of no profit. Can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I am going to make them know. This time I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. So he's saying, I'm going to make it clear to all the people what life is like without me, because they're living without me now. They just use my name. I will throw them out so that that's no longer a a way. They will know full well who they're worshiping so that then they can know who I really am and that I am the one with power and might and I am their salvation and I am their life so that they can come into this life. And then we're on to chapter 17. And he just talks about how deeply the sin, the waywardness, of their lives of the people of Judah, are, which is the people of God, have become. that they It's, it's written on their hearts that it's not just a, something that they do, oh, I shouldn't have done that, that was a sin. It's a way of life, a fallen way that misses the mark entirely of the way God calls us to. Verse 2 is, as they remember their children, so they remember their altars in their ashram by green trees on the high hills, so uh, Asherim, again, that's Easter, different language, different culture, same goddess. Um, as they remember their children. So obviously you, your children, hopefully, unless you're just way gone, your children are incredibly important to you, right? I mean, you, you want to pour your life into them. But he's saying just as important as them, these people are treating these altars in Asherim. Um, they're, they're going after other ways just as strongly as they care about their own family and here the implication is i'm trying to create a family based on goodness righteousness peace and joy and they're going after all these other things he's saying in verse four that you've given up your inheritance and therefore i will let you serve your enemies i'm going to give you over to your enemies which is who you serve you can know what it's like to be outside my provision and protection and fully get the blessing of those who you are choosing to serve instead of me. And you will find out it is no blessing at all. For you have kindled a fire in my anger, which will burn forever. That's a really powerful thing. He says, look, if you're going to live according to that way, you're going to experience the fire of my anger and it will burn forever. Eternity. That's a horrible long time. But he offers it up to us in this life as a blessing because when we experience a taste of this in this life, we can know, ouch, I don't like that fire. I'm going to turn back to the Lord. And so the judgment is a blessing because it says, wait a minute, 
I, I'm going the wrong way. I don't want to go that way. I want to go the right way. And then we can enter into the blessing, enter into the inheritance that he has for us. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose hearts turn away from the Lord. So when people are, are and you see it just raging in society right now, when people trust in their own power and don't trust in the Lord, he said they are cursed because their hearts have turned away from God. Their, their strength is never going to be enough. No matter how many of them gather, no matter how wonderful the, their fallen wisdom seems to them, it will end up cursed. It, it is I mean, it's just, it is cursed. It's a way apart from God. Therefore, it is cursed. But on the other hand, in 7, we have, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. So here's this picture of, you know, we just saw the picture of what curse looks like. Here's what blessed looks like. It's to be a tree with deep roots going right by the stream. So there's a lot of water underneath. So when heat comes, that fire that burns others, ah, it, it's okay for this tree because it's got deep roots in the water. And when drought comes, even, even when there's no water around, this one's right by a stream. Even if the stream gets low, there's enough water in that ground that the tree is healthy and strong and it bears fruit. He says, this is what life in me is like. This is what I offer you. Verse 11 really describes the entire Western financial system right now. As a partridge that hatches eggs, which it has not laid, so is he who makes a fortune, but unjustly. In the midst of his days, it will forsake him, and in the end, he will be a fool. The endless printing of money, as if you can just print wealth from a printing machine, and the endless stacking debt upon debt, as if there's no end to such things, well, there will be an end, and it will lead to us all being foolish for thinking such a way would work. In 13, it says, All who forsake you will be put to shame, because they have forsaken the fountain of living waters, even the Lord. 14, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are my praise. Look, they keep saying to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. But as for me, I have not hurried away from being a shepherd after you. So Jeremiah is just struggling because he's been he's been preaching judgment for a long time. I very much uh <laughs> I very much sympathize. But uh what the comment I just made I've been saying for ten years and it very much will happen. That is the word of the Lord. <laughs> but uh, but you know, Jeremiah's struggling, he's like, I don't know the timing of these things. And uh and he says, you know, they're mocking me because of the timing. Uh, you know, what? when are you doing? You know my heart, Lord. You know I'm for you. And the Lord's answer to him is to go and, and preach to them about keeping the Sabbath. He says, go stand in the public gates, which the kings of Judah come in and come out of Jerusalem. Listen to the word of the Lord, kings of Judah. And he's saying, preach to them, take heed. And he's basically saying, Start to honor the Sabbath. Stop going about your ways, which is not honoring the Sabbath. That's like a, that's a very key part of the law of Moses. And they were ignoring. God says, I commanded this to your fathers too, and they ignored it. 
But he says, but if you listen attentively to me, and if you treat the things that I've given you as holy, in this case the Sabbath, then kings and princes sitting on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, will come in. And So here he's speaking of a heavenly Jerusalem. He's saying, when my people start to live according to my way, then I will have princes on thrones. I will establish kings and a heavenly Jerusalem, a Mount of Zion, that where my way is established and my kingdom is without end. But he says, if you do not listen to me, I will kindle, kindle a fire in its gates and it will devour the palaces. So he's saying, look, you've got a choice. And then we're on to 18. This is the famous potter in the clay. I had, when I was going through Isaiah, I, I mentioned that it, this was in Jeremiah. And then uh, Isaiah actually uses this picture too. But the Lord draws it out a lot more for Jeremiah. And in the last recording, I kind of mentioned how God uses pictures. And, and I wanted to give an example of that because God did something through me last year. In September, I put up a blog post on kingdomcalling.com where I talked about the judgment of the Lord coming. In the same way as I do here in these recordings, I talked about how this is both a blessing and a terrible judgment, depending on who we are, how we're living, what we're doing. But that in the end, again, judgment is always good because it offers us a, it wakes us up. It's a slap in the face to realize we can actually turn towards the Lord. Um, but for those who've been prepared for these things, it's a time of pouring out of blessings. But um, I came to give this word at the time because I was seeing all these cicadas, which is like a, um, it, it's like a cricket actually, but it looks totally different. It looks like this scary beast, like a, a locust. And, um, and so the, I saw more, it's a normal thing we have here, um, but uh, they make these loud noises. They're, they're kind of cool. I like them. They don't hurt anything. But uh, they make really loud noises during the summer and in um, fall, I guess. And um, they're really ugly, big bugs. And I saw more this past year than ever before. And I just, the Lord said to me that this time of judgment is at hand. And so I put up a post in September about it. And I called it the plague, or the time of locusts, I think, which is a plague, right? That's a biblical plague. Well, so I just did this in obedience. Well, what has happened since then? We've had an actual plague. No one's using the word plague. They use the word uh, pandemic, virus, whatever. But all the plagues in, you know, going over the last thousand years, you look in Europe, all the plagues that we had, those were viruses. They just didn't know the word virus back then. So I gave this word. I had no idea that a virus was going to take over the land. I mean, I, I put out a word earlier than most that this virus was going to be a really big deal. So I, I think I wrote that in February before most people here understood that. Um, but back in, in 2019, I had no idea a virus was going to take over. But I was observing what the Lord was showing me. Uh, you know, in that particular way, I had eyes to see and ears to hear, and I could see the, what the Lord was saying because I saw a lot of bugs. And so because I did, and I wrote that out, well, look, now I can look back and say, whoa, I wrote a post about a plague coming and a plague came. That's amazing. And again, I'm not saying I, I knew a virus was coming. I had no idea. Um, but 
because I, you know, was observant to what the Lord was doing and saying, I was able to have some kind of glimpse of what was about to happen. And so the Lord speaks to us in, in these sorts of ways. And here in Jeremiah is the famous uh, potter and the clay. And so let's get into it. He tells Jeremiah, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will announce my words to you. So he has no idea why he's going to the potter's house, but he just goes to the potter's house. And the potter's making something on the wheel. But the thing he's making, it, it's not good. It doesn't work. And so he destroys it. And he remakes it into another vessel that was actually good. He's the potter and he knows what he wants to make. And the clay wasn't doing the right thing. or, you know, So he just destroyed it. And he turned that same clay into something that did please him. So then the Lord gives meaning to this to Jeremiah. Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. Or at another moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So now... Then speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. O turn back each of you from his evil ways and reform your ways and your deeds. So he's saying, All the people, all of mankind, you are the clay and I am the potter. And I have a purpose to you. I want to make you into a beautiful vessel. But if you're if you're fighting against me and not agreeing to be this beautiful thing that I have in mind for you, then I will destroy and start over. I will use the same clay, but I will build it up. And so you either come according to my ways, live according to my ways and be blessed or go another way and be destroyed. Those are the only options. And they tells Jeremiah, but they will say, it's hopeless, for we are going to follow our own plans, and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. And, and God is just, you know, I mean, he, he's telling Jeremiah before this happens, this is what's going to happen. So he's not surprised, but he is surprised in his ways. He says, it doesn't make any sense. Therefore, says the Lord, ask now among the nations, whoever heard the like of this, the virgin of Israel has done a most appalling thing. Does the snow of Lebanon forsake the rock of the open country? He says, my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. He's saying, the people, I have a way that works and it brings blessing. And yet my people continually go against me outside of this blessing, outside of this grace. They have stumbled from their ways, from the ancient paths to walk in bypass, not on a highway. He's saying, I have a good way for you. Walk my way. But instead they choose a wrong way. And what is the result of this? To make their land a desolation, an object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. Like an east wind, I will scatter them before the enemy. I will show them my back and not my face in the day of their calamity. And what do the people say about this? They just make plans to kill Jeremiah. Um, they don't want to hear these words of the Lord, so they want to kill the one giving the words. And so Jeremiah cries out to God, God, they've dug a pit for me. Uh, are you going to save me? 
And he's calling down vengeance upon him. He says, Lord, they're, they're trying to kill me, so bring this judgment on them now. He says, deal with them in the time of your anger, Lord. So at least at the end, he's, he's knowing, look, this is the word of the Lord. And so, Lord, bring, now they're after me, and I'm trying to help them, and they're after me now. So, Lord, you know, do what you're going to do. Uh, and that's it uh, for today. God bless you.